0: Fear can be overwhelming. Anxiety can cripple us. When we are afraid, we can lash out and behave in horrible ways. When we are anxious, we can feel paralysed. Our thoughts go round and round in our heads. We are tense, on edge. I've experienced all that and more. And I'm guessing maybe you have too. And I know for certain many other people as well. But fear and anxiety are also good things, aren't they? They keep us safe from danger. Fear gives us energy to deal with those dangers, either by fighting or running away. Anxiety can make us stop in our tracks, be very still until the threat has passed. What I'm curious about is, can we let go of the fear that is destructive and instead harness its energy, or use the stillness that anxiety gives us so that we can thrive in the face of fear, uncertainty and doubt? Is it possible to transform anxiety for good? This is The Anxiety Advantage, the podcast that asks, how can we thrive in an age of anxiety? I'm Yang Mei-Ui. I'm a writer and podcaster. Welcome to Season 1. Over the course of the next eight weeks, I will be publishing one episode a week on Thursdays at noon UK time. Each episode will explore a different aspect of anxiety. Today, I will be reflecting on my experience of anxiety in my life And what inspired me to start the Anxiety Advantage Project? In episode two, next week, I will be talking to 20-something Ellie Russell, who is a nanny and anxiety blogger about OCD, anxiety and empathy. Then it's back to me again in episode three, where I will be sharing how a Simon and Garfunkel song has been helping me think differently about anxiety in an episode entitled Hello Darkness, My Old Friend. Subsequent episodes will include a long-view discussion of digital life and the age of anxiety with James Wood, also known as J.W. Wood, a light-hearted romp through the things that make us anxious with film producer River Oosley-Brown, and performance anxiety with opera singer and writer Jane Camack. I also talk to Peter Ditchburn, my financial advisor, about anxiety, money and making big decisions. And also stand-up comedian Alex Farrow about laughing in the face of anxiety. That takes us up to week eight. And in week nine, I will wrap up season one with a concluding bonus episode to share what I have learnt on our journey together during these next two months. I will also be giving you the heads up of what to look forward to in season two, which will launch in the new year. Along the way, I will be asking you for your stories about your experiences of thriving in the face of your anxiety. I hope very much that you will share your thoughts so we can all learn from and support each other. I'm not an expert on anxiety. I have no medical or therapy-type qualifications. I'm a writer, and, like many people, I have struggled with anxiety. My purpose in these podcasts is to explore with curiosity how these very human feelings affect all our lives. Views expressed by my guests are entirely their own and do not represent my views. These podcasts come out of my personal experience and perspective – and I do not claim to speak for everyone who may be living with anxiety. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only. If you are affected by anything in these podcasts, please seek the advice of your doctor or other qualified professional. So why am I launching this new podcast about anxiety? To many people, I appear confident in charge, in control. I have an air of authority wherever I go. Sometimes, I'm told, I can be quite intimidating. Small, but intimidating nonetheless. A journalist once described me in a magazine article as a lawyer who looks like she could eat you for lunch. I was quite proud of that. I spent many years in the public eye as a writer and in my professional career as a lawyer working quite hard to develop and maintain that image of a strong, confident, no-nonsense woman. At first, in my 20s, it took a lot of practice. Like, when you first learn to drive a car, you know, every step has to be learnt separately. Mirror, signal, manoeuvre. And then, after a while, that becomes second nature. So it was the same for me learning to be confident, smile, take a breath, speak up. And then after a while, that became second nature. And now I can walk into any room and talk to anyone. I have run large and difficult meetings in my legal career where I have been the only woman in the room. I have handled combative negotiations. I've given a TEDx talk I've appeared on the BBC and international TV and radio. I've performed on stage in a solo theatre show in London's West End. And I've been podcasting since 2006 and also tried my hand at video blogging. But actually, I'm quite shy. People don't believe me, but it's true. Well, I say shy because that is the socially acceptable word for it. But really, what I mean is that I'm quite anxious. I'm quite anxious a lot of the time. I'm usually pretty good at hiding my anxiety. All those years of practice means that it is second nature to me to hold down my anxious feelings and maintain an appearance of normality and confidence. But sometimes... My anxiety sneaks through my defences, and people are surprised again. They see me suddenly phased by a little thing. I get into a fluster, or I go quiet and worry shows in my body language, and I shrink inside myself. I'm actually feeling anxious right now. I have a knot in my stomach, and I'm tempted to rush my words just to get this podcast over and done with. I'm worried that I will make a mess of the podcast, that I'll fluff my words, sound wooden and boring, or way too animated and over the top. My mind is scurrying around like an angsty Annie, worrying, who am I to host a podcast about anxiety? I don't have a serious medically diagnosed condition. I'm not an expert. What have I got to say that is helpful for anyone? What if I say something wrong or upset someone? What if no one tunes in? What if too many people tune in? And so on and so on. It's ridiculous. I have my notes here. I can re-record again and again if it goes wrong. I don't have to publish any of it online if I feel it's not good enough. In fact, I don't have to be doing this podcast at all. But I want to do this. I feel that I do have something valid to say. I feel that, like me, there are many people out there who struggle with anxiety a lot of the time, even though they may not have a severe medically diagnosed condition. And that anxiety can range from a mild daily niggle to something overwhelming and totally crippling. And that each person's anxiety along that range of human experience is valid and worth talking about, with the hope that we can all help and support each other. So here I am, doing my best not to let my anxiety stop me, and I'm doing my best to use my nervous energy rather than fight it, to bring it with me during this recording and somehow enlist its help. I said instinctively just now, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for me to feel anxious And that is something I have tended to do for a long time, to slap down my feelings, to dismiss them and not take seriously how I feel. I wonder if dismissing my feelings is not very helpful to my general well-being. It's also not very kind to myself. Would that be how I would respond to a friend who told me they were feeling anxious? I would not laugh at my friend or belittle how they were feeling. No, I would try and give that friend reassurance and support and help them talk through their worries as best I can in a kind way. I would not bat away my friend's feeling of anxiety, and yet, by saying that my own anxiety is ridiculous, I'm batting away my own feelings. I'm invalidating how I feel. And even though I'm batting it away, the anxiety still remains there, lurking inside me. And maybe gains more power over me exactly because I'm trying to pretend it's not there. You know, like that annoying brat who then becomes a bully and eventually a monster, who will keep on bugging you and poking you and harassing you until they get a reaction. Why am I not similarly kind to myself as I would be to a friend? Why do I feel it is okay to be harsh on myself, to say, that's ridiculous, my anxious feeling is ridiculous? Might it be better to turn and face my anxiety, allow it to be expressed in a safe way, to own fully how I feel? That is something I want to delve into in this podcast series. When I first had the idea for this podcast, I felt a little breathless thrill as a creative artist. The theme of anxiety feels authentic to my life, and it is also a universal experience. This intersection is exactly where a creative project has the potential to be interesting, engaging, and exciting. But it scared me. It scared me to open up publicly about my anxiety It's not something I talk about much, even with my friends and family. At some deeper level, I feel ashamed of my anxiety. That it somehow makes me a lesser person, weak, not to be respected. That anxiety is some kind of character flaw that I would not want on my CV. Would I be able to find any guests who would be willing to come onto the show and talk about their anxiety? especially strong, successful people. It's quite a vulnerable thing to open up about our emotions in public, and even more so to talk about something like anxiety. I started tentatively to put the idea out there. I mentioned it to a few friends, and then to a number of new people I was meeting. I expected polite nods at best, or at worst, an expression that said, Why would anyone want to listen to a podcast about anxiety? The responses I had took me completely by surprise. Gosh, that's really interesting. I get anxious a lot too. Oh, I must tell you about my anxiety. I would definitely want to listen to your podcast. I would love to be part of the project. All these comments came from people who seemingly had their shit together, as the saying goes. They looked like they were at ease in the world. They had achieved much in their careers and had good, full lives. And yet, like me, they were living with anxiety. I also spoke to some young people, 20-somethings, who told me a little shyly, even apologetically, about their anxiety. When I responded to them with... I've had that too. I get anxious too. I saw surprise on their faces. And then relief. Even someone like me, older, established in my life and career, successful, confident, even someone like that experienced anxiety. They were not alone in their anxiety. I started to reflect more deeply on how anxiety has shown up in my life, and how, like all these other capable people, I hid it from the world, and also from myself. Not just that worried little voice, that angsty Annie, that niggles at me with her self-doubt, but other ways that my anxiety has made me hide from challenges and avoid doing things and going places. How my anxiety has made me behave in ways that I feel ashamed to admit to lash out at people, to say unkind things, to hurt others. How sometimes it feels like I have to spend a lot of energy firefighting my anxiety, while also trying to get on with my demanding career, the busyness of life, and navigating my relationships with friends, family and my partner. How anxiety has been exhausting and debilitating, how it has pulled me away from enjoying otherwise delightful and wonderful moments in my life. If this is what is happening for me, and this circle of people I had spoken with, how many other people are facing similar challenges? How many others are struggling, feeling that they are all on their own? How many might find value in hearing about other people's experiences of anxiety? like I found value in hearing those of my friends. I did some research to see if I could find some concrete facts about how many people are affected by anxiety. According to Mind UK, the mental health charity, in any given week in England, mixed anxiety and depression eight in 100 people. Generalised Anxiety Disorder, 6 in 100 people. Post-traumatic Stress Disorder, 4 in 100 people. Depression, 3 in 100 people. Phobias, 2 in 100 people. Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, 1 in 100 people. Panic Disorder, fewer than 1 in 100 people. Adding them all up together, that is 25 in 100 people who experience some form of anxiety disorder every week in the UK. 25%. The Priory, the leading independent provider of behavioural care in the UK, tells us. In 2014, there were 8.2 million cases of anxiety reported in the UK. It's estimated that globally, 284 million people had anxiety disorders in 2017. That is a lot of people. But hang on. Those numbers tell us only about those people who are on a hospital record or doctor's report or other formal register. That is, only those people who have a medically diagnosed anxiety disorder. Is everyone else happy and chirpy and anxiety-free? What about those people like me who are affected by anxiety but who do not have a medically diagnosed condition? Come to think of it, has there been anyone in the world and throughout human history who has not felt anxious, who has not experienced worry, fear, uncertainty or doubt? Perhaps psychopaths? And I've also heard of a number of cases of seemingly fearless people who have been studied by psychologists, but they are very rare and hence of interest for scientific study. I'm going to see if I can dig into those fascinating stories of fearless people and psychopaths, if I can, in future episodes of this podcast. For most of us, anxiety seems to be part of the human condition. Like those young people I have spoken to, reading the statistics and talking with my friends and others, I felt suddenly no longer alone. It's not just me. It's most people, if not everyone. It fired me up. This anxiety project could speak to a huge range of people and hopefully help them not feel so alone either. Could we all benefit from opening up about anxiety and naming it? From learning that someone else is also affected by anxiety? Can we help each other by sharing our coping strategies? More than that, beyond just coping, is it possible to turn anxiety into an ally rather than fight it as an enemy? Can we be in charge of our anxious feelings rather than be controlled by them? In the Anxiety Advantage podcast, I want to explore all these questions and more as the project evolves. I'm going to start off sharing my own stories. And as I said earlier, I will also be inviting other people from all walks of life, ages and backgrounds to share theirs. I hope we can all learn from each other and inspire each other to transform our anxiety in a positive way. I'm no expert on mental health, so I aim to bring experts on to talk about anxiety from their perspective. I want to keep on learning from as many angles as possible. I hope also that you will be up for helping with this project by sharing your stories of anxiety and how you have been able to turn your experiences into something positive for yourself and others. You can email me at anxietyadvantage.uk at gmail.com. Is it possible to turn something as painful and difficult as anxiety into an advantage? Some people might say that I'm being a Pollyanna, making light of a serious mental health issue by fluffy positive thinking, or even mocking a debilitating condition, rather like the scene at the end of The Life of Brian, where the victims being crucified horribly on the cross start singing always look on the bright side of life. I hope that is just my angsty Annie scurrying and worrying me with her anxious thoughts about how this podcast and I could be perceived. Feeling overwhelmed and paralysed by anxiety is grim. I hate that feeling. I would rather not avoid doing things and going places. I would rather not feel that knot of worry in my gut. I don't want to ruminate endlessly about things that have, in my mind, gone badly in the past that I cannot change. I don't want to fret about things that haven't happened yet. I don't want to be controlled by fear, uncertainty and doubt. I've tried battling my anxiety, suppressing it, ignoring it, not taking it seriously. But that has just been exhausting. I've let myself give in to it as the path of least resistance. But that means I end up not living the life I want. I feel it is time to try another way forward. I want to feel truly empowered from the inside out. Not just to appear strong when I am jelly inside, I want to feel the freedom of choosing what I do and where I go without the burden of anxiety. I want to enjoy a sense of energy and fulfilment in my life. Don't we all want that? I hope I will not be alone in this journey. I will have with me my friends with whom we have all shared the common humanity of our feelings. I will look to those who have had different experiences of anxiety and learn from them. I will ask experts to share their knowledge. And I hope you and I will also be able to help each other with the common humanity that we will share through this project. As I was thinking about this big question of whether we can transform anxiety for good... I had a vision of a woman flying through the air doing impossible twists and turns. She was athletic, strong, balletic, superhuman almost. I let my mind rest on that image. Who was it? Why had she come to mind? I googled female gymnast anxiety Olympics. Simone Biles. Simone Biles is a world-class American gymnast and, according to Wikipedia, holds not just the most world medals, but also the most world gold medals for the sport. At the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, she was on track to win gold for the women's gymnastics. And then she dramatically walked out of the team event and withdrew from the all-round competition, citing mental health issues. In a New York Times article, and I quote, Biles told her coach and a team doctor that she was not in the right headspace to continue because she was afraid of injuring herself, and also because she didn't want to jeopardise the team's chances at winning a medal. I'm still struggling with some things, Biles said after the event. It just sucks when you're fighting with your own head. She suffered from the twisties, suddenly losing spatial awareness, not knowing where she was in space and losing control over her body movements. It is apparently a well-known phenomenon that can happen to gymnasts competing at high level and under extreme pressure. Simone Biles was a woman at the height of her powers, someone whom the Guardian described as having consistently redefined the art of the possible with her incomprehensible blend of grace, power and physics-defying fearlessness. And yet, she too suffered from anxiety, not just in that moment, but for long periods throughout her career. If she had let pride or ego goad her to continue competing in Tokyo, she might have injured herself seriously and for the long term. Instead, she paid attention to anxiety and let it guide her decision as an ally. And this led her to step back from the competition with dignity. She might have scored badly and affected the overall results for her team. Instead, she placed the success of her team and her nation above herself. This enabled her teammate, Jade Carey, an opportunity to step up and shine. And according to Insider.com, Biles was seen coaching her teammates from the sidelines during the final three events of the competition, cheering them on during their routines and offering them words of encouragement during breaks. She might have hidden her mental health issues out of shame, but instead she spoke out. As a result, many high-profile athletes rallied around her and praised her for the courage to speak up openly about her mental health struggle. The Guardian cites Michael Phelps, the Olympic swimmer, saying that this moment would blow the doors open over athlete mental health. What an inspiring role model. She is inspiring to me for paying attention to her anxiety in the first place, acknowledging it and allowing it to be an ally to her, for giving her service and support to her teammates during the rest of the gymnastic events, for having the courage to speak up about her anxiety and so shine the light on mental health issues not just for athletes but those in other walks of life too. She came to mind when I was reflecting on anxiety for that very reason, that she was a high-profile, incredibly accomplished and successful woman who had the courage to accept her own vulnerability and act positively as a result of her anxiety. Talking about anxiety helps all of us, at the level of the world stage, as in the case of Simone Biles, but also at a local level, in my small sphere of influence amongst my friends and the people I happen to come across. Links to the articles that I have cited and on which I have based this segment are on the show notes page. Details at the end of this episode. I'm sure you can think of other public figures who have spoken out about mental health and been able to transform anxiety for good. Or you may know someone in your own circle or community who is similarly inspiring. Or you yourself may be the person supporting and inspiring others. What are you or they doing that we can all learn from? How can we do something differently in our own lives inspired by what we see in the inspiring role models around us? I'm keen to share stories from people who have found ways to live positively with anxiety. It would be amazingly helpful for me and also our listeners to hear from you if you have a story about transforming anxiety for good or how you have discovered ways to thrive in your life. If you'd like to share your story, please email me at anxietyadvantage.uk at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. For me, so far, what I've been learning is that I'm not alone. That many other people, young and old, from all walks of life, successful, strong or otherwise... All of us have experienced anxiety in one way or another, to some degree or other. All our experiences are valid. Anxiety is not something to be ashamed of. It is everywhere and in everyone. It is not a character flaw. Sometimes it is a medically diagnosed illness. Sometimes it is not. We all experience it at one time or another. To be anxious is to be human. Anxiety, I believe, can be transformed for good. And I want very much to learn how we can do that bit by bit over the course of this project. I hope you will come along with me for the ride. And also share your stories so we can all help each other. Thank you for listening to this first episode of The Anxiety Advantage – thriving in an age of anxiety. Coming up in episode two next week is a conversation with my guest, nanny and anxiety blogger Ellie Russell, who will be talking to me about OCD, anxiety and empathy. You can find this podcast series on Acast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It's also on Audible, the audiobook provider. It's free to subscribe or follow the podcast. Episode two and future episodes will then pop into your pod listening app as soon as they are published. Search for The Anxiety Advantage Podcast or my name, Yang Mei Ui. Photos, links, music and other credits are up on the show notes page. You can find that via the Bit.ly short link, bit.ly bit.ly forward slash anxiety advantage or you can go to tigerspirit.co.uk and click through to The Anxiety Advantage If you'd like to share your story or thoughts on how we can transform anxiety for good you can email me at anxietyadvantage.uk at gmail.com The Anxiety Advantage Project is on Twitter as at you can also connect with me, Yang Mei Ui, on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram where I am at Tikerspirituk. Thanks for listening and see you again soon.